live from inside Arthur Ashe Stadium. Welcome to episode 121 of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by Courtney Nguyen. Hi, Courtney. Hello, Ben. They're taking down the Arthur Ashe Kids Day stage and scaffolding. It's a big old production. It is. And we're in here under the partial roof. Looks pretty cool. It is actually really cool. I mean, we walked across the court to get over to these seats to do this recording, and it's a pretty cool little structure they have going. Obviously, it's in mid-construction, the roof. The only question that I had, which I was thinking about the other day, there are going to be some weird shadows. Yeah, well, they put up these two screens over parts of it just for the shadows, where the sun is behind uh, that screen okay. there in the west. We are sitting on the east side of the stadium. And so there's nothing above us yet, but I think they did do that just for a stadium. Because, you know, like, Hala has those weird shadows yeah. on the court with, like, the crosses from the thing. Um, there's still going to be some here for sure, but it's going to be less bad than it might have been without that uh, screen or cloth thing. So, anyway, the things are going to be happening on this court. It's going to be the U.S. Open as the plane flies overhead. Someone likes the planes, right? You were saying? Yeah, when I interviewed Alan Cumming of The Good Wife uh, at the Delta Open Mic event last week, uh, which was the big karaoke event that Serena did, um, he was like, I was like, so, do you like the U.S. Open? He's like, yeah, I love it. I was like, what do you love about it? And he's like, I love that it's near the airport, and so you have these flyovers, and it's just fantastic. I was like, okay. It's weird. Yeah, it's an interesting reason to like uh, like the U.S. Open, and interesting fact, Alan Cumming has never been to Wimbledon, which oh. I thought was interesting. He's British? Yeah, he's Scottish. Okay. Yeah. I don't know much about him. I know he was in GoldenEye. But anyway, let's talk about what's going to happen here Monday night. Let's start with Serena. She's going to be the first match of the night session. Her draw was the question, What could there be such a thing as a tough draw for Serena? And I think, relatively, she mostly got one, a tough draw, meaning. I mean, nothing outrageous in the first two rounds. She's going to play Diachenko first, and then uh, the winner of Burton's Lucic Baroni, which isn't terrible. I mean, Lucic can blow pretty hot. She's a very up-and-down player, but I wouldn't expect Serena to be too troubled there. But then Sloan, uh, or maybe Coco, third round, but probably Sloan. That could be tough. Yeah, I mean, that's a... One of those players that we highlighted last week when yeah. we were talking about, you know, the the seven players that would be kind of the nightmare draw for Serena. And we were really identifying, you know, the ghosts of Serena past. And you talk about a player in Sloane Stevens who's playing, I think, the best tennis of her career at the moment. Yep. Um, and has obviously beaten her at a major. And it's coming relatively early at a major, which we've always said the big myth around or kind of... Uh, aura around Serena is if you're going to get her, you get her the first week of a major. So it'll be a potential third round match there. And, um, you know, it's one of those matches where, again, the mental aspect of it and how Serena approaches it and how she takes the court with kind of all of the the baggage and history between the two, it's, it's, an, it's definitely an interesting one. So um, I think that that's definitely one that everybody kind of circled immediately. Um, but on the whole, I mean, this top half of the, dra- uh, of the draw it's loaded across the board. and Top quarter, especially. Yeah, top quarter. I mean, you got Venus in there as well. Belinda Bencic, obviously. Madison Keys could be a possible fourth round, as could Radvanska. Uh, either Radvanska, actually, both of them are in there. Uh, Venus Pliskova hasn't played well at Slams, but she's in there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely tough. And then um, another name that we had brought up uh, last week that could be a tough one for Serena, Anna Vonovich, who yeah. is the uh, in the bottom, bottom half of the draw in the Maria Sharapova quarter. Um, possible and, semifinal. Um, yeah, possible semifinal, especially when you consider... I mean, I think that, I mean, turning a little bit to Maria, just very quickly, I mean, she's a player that we're really not talking about at all, no. given, you know, um, A, her injury woes, B, her record against Serena. Um, so... Well, she's, and, she, and Maria's been pretty open about the injury stuff. I mean, Maria is downplaying 
really, I think, her tournament in a way that's not very characteristic for Maria to do. I mean, she's saying... She's I usually talk, got I, the moxie. She's usually got a fair amount of, of, of swag, confidence, whatever you want to call it. And right now she doesn't. I mean, she's saying, like, I, she's sort of grappling with this idea of how do I go into a tournament with lower expectations, so, so not me. But really, the expectations are low, and I would be not at all shocked. Not at all shocked if she loses to Gavrilova in the first round. Oh, of course. And I think that, you know, the, the interesting thing about her draw is that on the whole, it's not that bad, actually, to the semifinals. If she can get past Gavrilova. I think first you week have, is bad. You have a potential, what is that? If she beats Gavrilova, either either Kanyu or Maria, I don't think that she's going to lose to either one of those players. You have potentially either Mladenovic or Kuznetsova. I think Mladenovic is the much more dangerous one of those two. Huh. Kuznetsova, who uh, pulled out of um, D.C. with a leg injury and hasn't uh, hasn't played since. Then you got Svitolina. Makarova has some injury woes as well. Carlos Suarez Navarro going through a bit of a slump right now. J.J., maybe, maybe this is that time for J.J. Uh, Jeannie Bouchard, also the seed in there. Not entirely sure what, uh, and we'll talk about Jeannie Bouchard, I'm sure, in a little bit. But she's in there, and then you have Ivanovic. Um, so those are some of the players that Maria Sharapova could face in advance of the semifinals. I don't think it's that bad of a draw, honestly, if she can get past Gavrilova, kind of play herself in a form, use, use the off days to kind of rehab and get her leg back into things. I think there's a chance there. But the reason why, on the whole... No one's really talking about Maria is because, you know, she might potentially have to meet, you know, Serena Williams in the semis. And we kind of know how that story has gone the last 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, typically speaking, we focus on people who we think might lift the trophy at the end of the day. And uh, I don't think too many eyes are on Sharapova uh, for these next two weeks. Absolutely not. I agree with that. Um, let's talk about Jeannie while we're in this quarter. We're moving through this pretty fast. But I think, I think basically Serena is, is the story. Otherwise, we can talk if, if Serena loses at this tournament, if we will emergency podcast right. that. that. I think it's fair to say, and we'll reset. We'll reset. Yeah. But let's go on with Serena. Um, go, staying in. Yeah, this, this Genie section, she got as good a draw as she could hope for, I think, in some ways, because she's, beat, she's getting two players in Allison Risk and likely Serena Diaz, who she's managed to beat this year. And that's a very short list of players who fit that criteria. Um, Obviously, Risk is not an easy draw by any stretch, and Risk played a pretty good, solid, hardcore season um, in Canada and Stanford. She did well at both. Jeannie working with Jimmy Connors, I guess, is why she's in the news more now, and tried to do it like weirdly low-profile way. Like tried to keep it, like under wraps. Like, oh, it's just Jimmy Connors, you know, however many time champion here, just showing my practice. It's you know nothing big deal. Like it just seemed weirdly unprepared for it to be like a story. I thought yeah. it was bizarre. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it's kind of a big deal. It kind of, it's the reason why I think it's such a weird and interesting move to make in terms of like inviting Connors and working with Connors during the Open is like it just puts the spotlight back on you. Yeah. As opposed to if I'm Jeannie Bouchard, and maybe this is the point, is that I'm not Jeannie Bouchard and I don't think the way that she thinks and she doesn't think the way that I think, but I would want to come in here with my head down and just go through it and not really have to talk to the press very much, not to have to talk about expectations, not to have even more questions about my slump. And the bottom line is that now that you have Connors, who obviously isn't shy about talking to the press, he talked to uh, Tom Prada of the Wall Street Journal walking off court the other day and, and gave him kind of the lowdown on, on their working relationship, yeah. his working relationship with Bouchard. But, uh, you know, I think that, that it just, yeah, it just adds an unnecessary uh, lens with which to kind of uh, have to operate on uh, Because otherwise, Jeannie, Jeannie could have been so under the radar at this yeah. tournament. 
Like, there was, once Wimbledon points fell off, she was, unless you're in Canada, and once Canada passed too, I guess, she was not going to be a headlining player here at all. And I still don't think she really will be. And I think Connors actually might not even be here for her matches, I believe. I think he said, might have said he was leaving on Sunday and maybe coming back if she made second week or something like that, huh. which, good luck. Um, yeah, we'll see uh, with that. But that was just a weirdly, weirdly high-profile move for someone who you would want to think would keep it fairly locked down now. Other top half observations before we flip over our paper? Um, I just think that a lot of players got hosed. I mean, uh, yeah. and, you know, there's a lot of, as much as we talk about how loaded the top half is, is when we turn to the bottom half, we'll see that it's really light on the bottom really half. Really light. And, and that means that there's a great opportunity there. But so many of the players who have done really well this summer are in the top half. Um, you're talking about a Belinda Benchich who could have easily had a run here. She lands, of all places, in Serena's quarter. That's pretty brutal. Um, Stevens Keys, same Stevens boat. Stevens Keys, same boat. Ivanovich, who looked like she got a little bit of her mojo back. Uh, what was it, in Cincinnati or Toronto, Cincinnati? Uh, took, took, took Serena three in the Cincinnati quarters. Yeah, exactly. You know, a little bit more of a some traction there. She's in this top half, although, you know, she's in a pretty good spot where she is, I think. But, um, but yeah, you do kind of have to feel for, for, I think, the young guns, Benchich, Stevens, and Keys, even Venus, you know, all, and, and Pushkova, all of these players who landed in Serena's draw. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Rough draw for Venus is particularly interesting because she gets – her draw is Puig, which is not that bad. Then Falcone Crawford, which is not bad at all. Then Benchich. Benchich, Venus, third round is tough because Venus hasn't had a – made it past third round here in a long time. And she's had a couple rough losses, like the Irani loss last year. Just brutal. Um, yeah, but I think I think of, the, of those, the biggest loser, I think, is Sloan. Unless Sloan wins this, she's somebody who, in this bottom half, I think could have made, through. she could have torn through it. She could have made semis out of some of these quarters with how unreliable the tent pole players are in that section of the draw. She could have done some stuff, and she will have to beat Serena, probably, to do some stuff. She can, don't think she will, but, yeah, that's the big match but to I watch think for sure. That, yeah, and I think that if that match does take place, that is going to be a match that both those players get up for. And uh, I don't see Sloan Stevens backing down from that match or, or being in any way, you know, somewhat apologetic about wanting to, to be the one that ends this, this Grand Slam hunt. But um, so that's, you know, that's definitely aside from her first round match against Coco Vandaway, Sloan Stevens, her third, potential third round match uh, against uh, uh, Serena could be epic. And, you know, there's a potential second round match against Bethany Maddox-Sands. That's three tough, tricky opponents for Sloan in the first yeah. week, it has to be said. Tough. American opponents. Interlude as we turn over the page here. I'm just looking around the stadium while you're talking. I think it looks so much smaller. It does. It looks actually, like it looks cozy. much smaller and like more intimate now. Yeah, it does feel a little with cozy. this uh, with this new situation. Yeah, so it feels like it like an arena, like an indoor arena now, and it feels much better. Like I feel like there always used to be this like looking into the infinite abyss thing when you look up from the bottom here, but now it's a little different. I like it. I, I think it's a great change. And again, kudos to USDA for the number of developments and progress they make on site here over the last couple years has been really impressive. This is the slam that's improving the fastest, I think. Interesting. I still think that's the Aussie. But is the Aussie improving constantly? I think it is. What do they do are. to improve lately? I, well, they're putting another roof on, on uh, whatever it is, MCA or whatever They already have a roof on MCA, but yeah, but I don't like the MCA roof, honestly. And the matches they put on, the, it was a dead court this year. I remember being not impressed with Market Court, the roofed version. Mm. And they I ticketed it, and it was so, just not I mean, great. I think if you're talking about this tournament, okay, they added a roof. Four, five, six last year were really good, those courts. Yeah, I don't know. I still, I still think the Aussie is still, um, you know, honestly, in terms of development and improvements, I think the Aussie is still, still kind of 
King Dingling on that on that end. Okay, I agree, disagree there. Bottom half. This does not look like a slam half of the draw to me. There just aren't. I think we'll go more granular in a sec, but there, I don't see big names that jump out at me in this half of the draw. I mean, we have the top first quarter is anchored by Kvitova and Wozniacki. I don't see, I mean, either of them making semis here, I think would have been a surprise. And then beyond that, I just think there's a lot of room for opportunity here in this bottom half overall. And it's going to be, I'd be, I'd be surprised, I would say, if a champion would come out of here before we get tighter on it. Would you agree with that? Sure. Courtney, break down the Kvitova Wozniacki quarter for me. What you got here? So in the bottom half of the draw, obviously anchored by Simona Halep, actually, um, and then along with Petra Kvitova. So Kvitova, top half of the quarter, um, she opens up against Siegmund. But the other seeds in this section, you've got Anna Karolina Schmidlova snagging that number 32 seed with her uh, pretty solid run in Cincinnati. So first time she's seeded, which is good for her, but she drew Yulia Gerges, which is not particularly easy. Could be easy. I don't know. You talked to her in Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm. What's she like? The Schmidlova, she's very quiet, very shy. Um, you know, I think a lot of her success this year, and I, I mean, I wrote it all up. I don't want to rehash it, but um, you can read it on the WTA website. But, um, yeah, she's, you know, a very shy person and very quiet, but um, with very modest ambition. And I think that her success over the last, uh, I guess, eight months, eight, nine months is kind of very new to her. I mean, this year... This time last year, she was in the midst of a nine-match losing streak. Mm. So now she's a seed at a major, which is pretty impressive. Um, and just kind of doing a lot of the work in the, the lower-level tournaments, you know. And so she doesn't have, like, the big wins that make you really go, oh, Schmidlova, she's dangerous. But she's playing with confidence, and sometimes that's, you know, that's just as, that's just as dangerous. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she's in there. Andrea Petkovic still star practicing the other day. Uh, 18th seed here. She's in that section along with Kvitova. Uh, has some strapping on that leg that she did injure in Cincinnati. Rough, so. rough draw for her against Caroline Garcia first round. That's a brutal first round draw. Exactly. Very, very difficult. We also have Garbina Muguruza also in there, the number nine seed. Interesting with Muguruza. She's um, split with her coach. Um, Weird right timing. Before, yeah, right before the U.S. Open. So, uh, you know, comes into the Open having not won a set of tennis before Wimbledon or after Wimbledon. So that's uh, not exactly the most confident um, summer season for her, but uh, but a, a good opportunity there. Potentially a, a tricky first round against Karina Witthoff um, of Germany, who's who's getting better and better. Um, you also have Iranian here, Sam Stozer against Tamea Babos, the woman who beat her. Where was it that she that Babos beat her? Oh, it was in Cincy. Or Cincy, you're right. Cincinnati. It was Cincinnati. Uh, so they have a rematch in the first round there. You got Flavia Panetta and then Caroline Wozniacki. So those are your seeds. In that little quarter, that Kvitova quarter, like Ben said, a lot of opportunity there. It's a yard sale. It all depends on how each one of those players shows up uh, or doesn't show up. Um, it could be a very you could get very easily out of this bottom half two unseated players in the final or uh, unseated player in the final. Um, uh, unseated, that'd be interesting. I mean, I think if I had to pick somebody from this quarter here, the one I'm looking at is Stoser. I think Stoser obviously started really well in the. After Wimbledon, she won baggage time, which obviously isn't that impressive, but played pretty decently in Washington for most of it, too. And I just see nobody that reliable here. I mean, Kvitova has question marks with her mono. Obviously, she's never done remotely well in New York, never made quarters here. Um, she's in the New Haven final, but I don't read too much into that. I think Garcia will do well here. I think Garcia will beat Pekovic. Uh, Muguruza, who knows? Irani maybe could make it out of here. This is the kind of section that Irani can take advantage of because she's obviously done pretty well this tournament, actually, Sarah Irani, for someone we don't think of as being associated with New York at all. She's actually done pretty well here. 
But, yeah, I would, those are something that jumps out at me. Without Wozniacki having much match play, I don't know what to read into her. And so Stoser's kind of my pick in this quarter, which seems ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I would have picked it on uh, Pekovic if she was healthy. Uh, that's how I think how well she's been playing on hard courts this year. But with the, the niggling injuries and things like that and a tough first round, hard to pick. But, yeah, I mean, Stozer could do it. Wozniacki potentially second round match against Christina McHale, her uh, slayer from 2013 or whatever. Uh, so there's that. And then obviously, I mean, we all know what Petra Kvitova can do. It's just a matter of her actually doing it. So we'll see how that goes. But um, we have the final quarter anchored by Halep. Oh, sorry, did you have more? I was just going to say Panetta also in there, also done well in New York. Another name to both Italians, I think, could make some noise in there, possibly. Under the radar. Next quarter, go for it. So the bottom quarter, you have Simona Halep anchored alongside with Lucy Safarova. But the two, I think, names to watch here are Halep and Alzarenka. Alzarenka finding herself finally not near Serena Williams in the draw, can't face her until the final. She's the one that everyone says if she's healthy and she's playing well, she is the one that can stop Serena in a final. Um, And, uh, you know, it's tough. We don't know how she's feeling physically. I mean, we, I've asked her. Uh, she said she feels better and things like that, but we never know until she, she actually... She has been practicing. So, you know, but over two weeks, seven matches, how those early rounds go. She's got Radechka to open up. She could play either Schiavone or Wickmeyer. A potential Kerber. I mean, a Kerber-Azarenka third round. That's That's brutal. huge. That's brutal. That's, that'd be one of the highlights of the bottom half. And a bottom yeah. half that doesn't have many highlights, that is one with Stanford champ Kerber going up against Azarenka for sure. And, yeah, I think Azarenka obviously has is the big draw winner. Overall, if you have to be one person in the whole tournament, I mean, because she's been, she was considered by a lot of people, I think, the best chance to beat Serena, even if it's not great, because she's come close twice at slams this year, which no one else can really say. Um, and Cornet, I guess, also, it's, it's possible Serena, someone, Serena might be glad to be avoided. But uh, yeah, overall, this bottom quarter, I think, well, what do you make of Halep, I guess? I'm high on Halep. I mean, I, I, I know that a lot of people aren't. I think that she's been unfairly uh, tagged as being the face of, like, the player that doesn't believe that they can beat Serena because she made a throwaway comment at the net uh, at, with Serena after losing that uh, final in Cincinnati saying, you know, I think you can win all four. I think you can win the U.S. Open. And I think she's, I mean, she, you ask her directly about it and she's like, obviously, if I'm on the court, I don't want Serena to win. I'm going to try my hardest to win. But like, if I'm not on the court, of course I want Serena to win. That's basically what Halep said. I think she's playing well. I think that the week off skipping New Haven was obviously Smart. key. Um, and I think that she's playing well, and I think that she's pretty relaxed. Now, can she maintain that level of zen um, throughout the tournament? I don't know. She's never made it past the fourth round here. It's the only major at which she has not made the quarterfinals. Um, and she hasn't made, and she's had a bad year at majors overall this year. Understood. But at the same time, hardcourt has been where she's played the best. And um, obviously the, her clay and uh, grass season were pretty forgettable. But what is it, seven hardcourt tournaments. She's made the final of 5-1-3. And the two outliers were the semis in Miami where she pushed Serena to three playing shit. I'm sorry, Simona Hallett played terribly in that match and somehow got it to three because Serena didn't play that well either. Um, and uh, and then the qu- quarterfinals at the Aussie, which uh, was a complete tap out from her yeah. uh, against uh, Makarova. Makarova. Yeah. So I, but I still like Hallett here. I like her draw. She opens against a, a Rakovic, then plays either Putin Saver or Bondarenko. I don't think either of those players are going to trouble her. 
uh, possibly Cornet in the third round, fourth round, either Baczynski or Lesicki. Uh, or Georgie is in there. Georgie, yeah, second round potentially against Georgie, uh, between Georgie and Lesicki could Ooh, be fun. Bring a helmet, folks. Bring a helmet. Bring a helmet. And some Kevlar. <laughs> um, so that could be good. But Chinsky's an interesting one, because talk about a player who... Super under the radar. Hasn't had a great hard court. Yeah. Just really hasn't done much since that French Open run, and so therefore... Well, she made Wimbledon quarters. Wimbledon quarters, I'm sorry. But she, um, but she since then, not much, not on the hard courts. Mm-hmm. And she's someone who... I mean, if she, if you told me, like, in this half, you showed me who the seeds were and said, oh, by the way, Baczynski is going to, like, make the semis or final, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. I mean, she ha- she's played great at the Slams this year. She lost to Muguruza in tough three in Australia before she really started breaking out. Obviously lost to Serena, tough three again, or, or was up a set in a break, I think, in the semifinals against Serena in Paris and uh, quarters out to Muguruza at Wimbledon. But yeah, Paczynski hasn't been great on form yet, but her early draw is pretty good. She gets Tritsova, who's been really struggling, and Sakari or Wong Chung, which is pretty great. And then she gets a really inconsistent ball basher, most likely, in yeah. the third round. So Paczynski has a pretty decent draw to make second week, I think. And Paczynski can totally beat Halep. She I could. Think. Yeah. She could. Uh, I still think that Halep is, is, is better than that, and she should be able to do it. I mean, I, I think that, basically, I think that Simona Halep will post a career result here. Whether or not that means she makes the final semi-final or just the quarters I don't know but I think that it I don't think that she's going to walk away feeling like this tournament was a failure I've been having there isn't a player that I've spent more time with over the last like summer than Halep because of her final runs in both Toronto and Cincinnati but I just get a different vibe from her right now um, compared to where it was at Wimbledon and at the French where just being around her during that time of the season you felt the strain and like the kind of the shoulders were slumped and all that and she's just kind of I don't know she's in a good mood she's she's playing mixed with Horia Takao um yeah I think that's all that's all good stuff and honestly I think Darren Cahill has been um just a really massively good positive influence on her ear so so are you Courtney Nguyen picking Simona Halep to make the U.S. Open final or who do you got in this bottom half I'm not picking anybody not picking anybody nope okay go ahead but I'm not picking anybody uh, I don't. My job to make picks. Well, it's not my job either. Just giving the people what they want, you know. I don't know. I don't like any of these players to make the final. Uh, I'll go with Kerber, which is weird. <laughs> I realize. After all that, Kerbs. I don't know. It like Ker- Kerber. It's a plausible no, finalist. No choice. No pick is going to be a bad pick. No, I guess Halep. Halep is the is the it's the percentage bet there, just based on seeding and good draw and her form, making two finals in a row. But now know. that said, if Petra makes the semis, Petra is because Serena gets this a lot. The whole like she's vulnerable in the first week, but then in the later rounds she's fine. Petra, you know, once she gets the diesel going, there's a chance. It is a diesel. It is a diesel, but once she gets it going, and I I don't know, I was watching a bit of the. New Haven final, and I was very impressed with how she was striking the ball. But as Ben said, it's not really an indicator. She's defending champion there. And who'd she lose to here last year? Last year at the U.S. Open, Petra Kvitova oh, lost to. Kunich. Yeah, Alexandra Krunich. How about that? Uh, before we go on to the men, let's just wrap. Let's go to Serena briefly because I feel like we shortchanged her a bit with how big she is here. What are you expecting from Serena's 2015 U.S. Open? With this draw, with everything, now that you're here, you've seen her do pre-press. What is this whole thing going to be like? I think she seems to be handling it really well. I think she's handling it well. I think that I can't stop shaking the my mind 
like going towards like if I was Serena and this is why I'm not a 21 time major champion and probably quite possibly one of the greatest the greatest uh, female athlete of all time uh-huh. um, I would find it really hard not to mentally check out like really? I would be so fucking over it honestly like all of the pressure every single thing that's like being written and obviously hopefully she's not reading any of that and she's not being subjected to it and hopefully she's being insulated and not like aware of it but I would be I would be I would be completely sick of it because all that I want to do is win seven matches in a two-week tournament and it's being turned into like you know this whole thing not unnecessarily necessarily because it is a big deal but if I was just her like it's like you know you read all these stories like this is what you know, Serena is a political figure. Serena, Serena's doing this for all, you know, black people in America. Serena's, like, crashing the lily-white gates of tennis. I think she a lot of means things means all of these her. things, you know? And, like, for her, I really do believe that she's, like, dude, I just want to win seven matches. That's what I want to do here. And the significance of it is not a thing that I should be burdened with coming into this tournament. And so I hope that she doesn't feel burdened by that. And I think that if she doesn't, I think she'll be fine. But, gosh, this is just such an, like, a mental challenge. And I just know for myself, just even contemplating it, I'm like, nope, forget it. Screw it. Like, shut down the rest of the season. I'll see you guys in Melbourne. <laughs> it's interesting what you were saying about, because we've obviously talked about this offline, the her having her suddenly becoming all things to all people and being written about in this grand social context. And we're around Serena a fair amount. Like, we see Serena. Serena is, I don't think, I mean, maybe she accepts that she is this bigger person now and this, uh, responsibility that comes with success on some level but like I just don't think that she's out here for anything but herself yeah I really don't think so and that's not a no it's not that's the thing is like I think that Brian Phillips wrote it really well in his piece on Grantland where it was like the freedom to be meaningless and that with Serena you do you know yeah like Ben was saying like we're around you know the players a lot and I'm around Serena I'm around Venus a lot when I'm around Venus I do get the sense that she understands her place uh, in kind of the history books. And embraces it more. And embraces it and takes great pride in it. She's sort of regal. Serena just wants to pl- put a tie on her dog and sing her karaoke and do dub smash videos. Like, you know what I mean? And she doesn't necessarily, even if she says, and this is obviously me just like, I've never asked her explicitly about this, but I also don't know if I'd actually get an honest answer because when you are put in that situation, like, how do you say, like, I don't want to be that person to all these people but if you read like you know um claudia rankine's um piece in um the new york times as well there's a little bit of that because rankine went down and visited serena and and serena didn't really look like she wanted to take a lot of the bait with respect to kind of uh, what she's doing for black america right right you know and that sort of thing like she just she just wants to do her thing and, and, be, it, it, and be good at what she does and simplify her life. And I think that these things complicate her life. Yeah. And I think that that's where things could get derailed. I think with Claudia's piece, like, I'm totally fine with all of the things she said about, like, what Serena means to her. That's totally her prerogative, her... she Serena can mean whatever she wants to her, but, but Serena doesn't have to be anything herself, doesn't have to share this burden. And I that's the thing that I think is going to be interesting, like you're talking about being the over it. It's all these things that have been put on her lately we'll see it'll be interesting uh, especially if you gen i mean because if you if you believe serena if you take her at her word and she says you know what i won four straight the serena slam is enough for me and that's what I was really stressful and i was so panicked about that this is like 
not that big of a deal. She kind of has come close to saying that at times. If you believe that to be the case... And it's a choice to believe that or not. Right, it's a choice to believe that or not. But if you do believe it, then yeah, there is kind of this whole, like, you know, screw it. This is, like, not fun. I don't think... You I know don't, what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think Serena... I am not will, having fun anymore if I'm Serena Williams. I don't think Serena will have that feeling here. I 100,000% think she'll have that feeling in Beijing slash Singapore if she shows up. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, yeah like, yeah, she's for gonna, sure. the rest of this oh, year, sure. she's going to shut it. I would not be surprised if she shut it down. For sure. Uh, she deserves a break. Uh, yeah, but here, I think it's a match. She'll get up for it. And, I mean. And with these opponents, especially, she'll get up for it. Especially, That's actually like, Sloan, point, is, right? Sloan is almost, in that way, Sloan could help her. Yeah. Sloan's going to have to kick her into, get her ass in gear yeah. uh, in third round. So that could be good for, for Serena. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, so with that, let's move to the guys. Men's tennis. Oh. Novak Djokovic. It's on the... Oh, by the way, one match that I just noticed today when the order of play came out. I totally didn't notice Sibokova Ivanovic. Yes. I totally didn't notice that. Could that be an upset? Yes, of course. I think so. Yes. I'm currently preparing a big old piece on Dominica Sibokova for WTA Insider. Are you really? I am. Oh, boy. Big old for little Dominica. I like yeah. that. Uh, Novak Djokovic leads off the top half quarter whole top of the men's draw. He's line number one. Uh, his draw is pretty good early. Maybe actually the whole way. I heard someone say he was a big draw winner, which I'm intrigued by. I mean, his first week... Pretty simple. Sousa, Joao Souza, the lesser, the Brazilian one. Then Pospisil <laughs> and Heidermauer. Pospisil's not easy, but he hasn't really had a big win that would let you think he would also best of five. do this best of five. Just yeah. don't see Pospisil doing He's it physically best of five. not a not a not a war horse for the Seppi, um, who gets Tommy Paul, the young American qualifier. That's not gonna be tough for Djokovic, although Seppi has played him tough at the French. Uh, then Batista Guter Goffin. Goffin had obviously that close call. In, uh, in Cincinnati against him was up double break in the third and promptly folded over best of five. Again, I don't think that Goffin will be able to do much there. And then a bunch of players who are struggling in this next path for his quarterfinal. Ronic, uh, Smichek is also struggling, but not going to make it past Ronic probably. <laughs> Poor Smichek is just like losing everything now. Uh, Feliciano Lopez hasn't had a great year at all, although he did beat Rafa in... Uh, Cincinnati, which doesn't mean much because Rafa's also struggling in this section. Uh, Fanini hasn't been doing great. Uh, Nadal, yeah. So it's weird to think that Rafa's not a tough draw. I just don't think he is right now. Um, not for Novak, not on hard courts. Yeah. I mean, I, and best of five as well. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, that's definitely a, a tough first-round match for Rafa Nadal against Borna Chorich. I mean, you know, you just don't know how that's going to come out. Although, that being said, I do think Rafa was playing better in Cincinnati. So, hopefully, he's gotten some good practice in and he's rounding into form, which would make then this um, tournament. I mean, I think that would really enliven the tournament. I think it feels kind of weird to go into the U.S. Open this year and you have a defending champion that no one's really looking at in yeah. Marin Cilic. Yeah. Um, Same with the runner-up in Nishikori. And runner-up in Nishikori. Um, it's kind of the, the men's side of the event has been obviously overshadowed, I think, by Serena. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, it's also been a little bit overshadowed by La Faire Curios. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's just kind of a weird moment for the men's, the men's side of the draw. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's hard to know where everybody's at. Um, it is weird for the men, actually, because I was talking to one of the big four's agents. I won't name which one. And I was saying, like, yeah, you realize this tournament's, like, all Serena, right? And he was just kind of like, like, they're not used to it. They're not used to being clearly second-class citizens. And I kind of like, love it. Put it this I kind of love we are, it. We are at a major where on one side of the one, one draw, 
someone is going for some historically amazing, ridiculous achievement that has enlivened the sport and everybody's super interested in. The other half of the, the other's draw uh, has a bunch of locker room mischief and stress and um, trash talking. And weirdly, not really coming from the tours that normally It's such a role reversal. Think, you know? really is. Uh, the trash talk stuff, we'll get to that when we get to Kyrios Murray later on in the bottom half, which is cray-cray. Um, overall, I see Djokovic getting through this pretty quickly to wrap this quarter up. Do you? Yeah, I just I mean, don't see any challenges. Like I said, I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, Rafa would really have to play himself into some some pretty darn good form uh, and be top-notch, obviously, to, to make that quarter. Uh, much less make it, much less challenge. Novak. Right, right, yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Number one with a bullet, Novak Djokovic. Uh, the draw winner in this quarter, I think, actually, quietly, is Marty Fish. Marty Fish in his farewell tournament here gets Marco Cecchinato first round, and then uh, possibly Lopez, who, like we said, has been struggling, and then Ronich, who hasn't been playing well either, uh, or Verdasco and Haas, who also haven't been doing great. So I think overall, Marty Fish in his farewell really, is doing decently well. Can I stop for a second? Can yeah. you really say Feliciano Lopez is struggling? He when he's pref- coming off of, like, a really good performance. I mean, he played, like, Federer pretty well. He Did served, he? yeah, he served well. Didn't it go to a first set tiebreak or seven five or it was pretty close. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. Yeah, I just don't think. I think overall he's had a down year, more yeah, big down picture. year. But I mean, and bad at the slam. Closer here. He's doing better. Okay, he's doing. It's not not easiest draw, but he's had some bad losses. He actually lost to his first round opponent, Nicolas Bazalashvili at Wimbledon. So if you want to put that as an upset, an obscure upset alert, you can do that. Basilashvili, uh, good draw for him, I guess. He's one person he knows he can beat. Uh, the second quarter is the place you want to be in the men's draw if you're not looking too long-term. Uh, I think it's good. It got filled up with some interesting names. You can use this kind of draw. Uh, Kenny Shikori is the high seed at number four. Ferrer, who hasn't played much at all lately, been out with an elbow injury, I think, uh, is at number seven at the bottom. And then in the middle there... Floating around, you have names like Malfish, Chilich, Dimitrov, Shardy's been playing well, made Canada semi, Songa, uh, Robredo, who's done well here. Uh, so it's, it's a nice section, I think, in quite a few. dolgopolov has been doing well, made semis of uh, Cincinnati. So it's a fun section, I think, and uh, a lot of stuff can happen there. Any, any Anything that jumps out at you is Kay? I don't think Kay's a stone cold hitter for anything at this point in his He never career. is. I mean, he never is. He can. It's a good draw for him, yeah, for sure. I mean, a potential Nisha Corey Monfils uh, fourth round is pretty exciting. I would def- definitely sign up for that. Oh yeah. Um, assuming Gael can get there, um, but uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I think that the top half. I mean, this is this is a pretty sweet draw for Novak Djokovic, and um, you know, yeah, I, I can't say that 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 bottom quarter is going to be eliciting many matches that I'm going to be super keyed up to watch, I kinda, honestly. I kind of disagree with that. Well, I think it's not going to be relevant matches in terms of, like, determining tournament favorites. But I think matchup-wise, there are some great, there's some great stuff. Like, we're going to get Malfi's Sanga, very possibly. That'd be cool. That's the third round. We could get Dolga Polov, Nishikori would be pretty good. Uh, Nishikori, and then the winner of those two matches, I think, would be pretty great. Dimitrov Chilich is not a bad match for two players who looking to repeat glories of past and could really use a good win. The Ferrer part of it, it's totally, I mean, I don't know what Ferrer's going to do. I could, Ferrer could obviously roll this whole thing and do it his own boring Ferrer way, but uh, he leaves an opening. I don't know. I think, I think it will be not relevant to the big picture at all. Whoever makes that out of there won't challenge Novak Djokovic, I don't think, but I think it could be fun along the way for some sightseeing. Bottom half of the guys has this fun quarter. <laughs> Which we'll start off with the high seat at the bottom of this quarter, Andy Murray. 
number three, taking on Nick Kyrgios. That's got to be the match of the first round, right? I think more than more than George at all. Yeah. Kyrgios Murray. No, for sure. I mean, especially in light of their kind of personal relationship and Andy Murray's always been very kind to Nick Kyrgios and very supportive of him. And Even, even now. Yeah, even now he's obviously, I mean, no one, people should just understand that there's literally no one in tennis that has said, no, what he said wasn't that bad. Everybody agrees that he completely overstepped the line and should be punished. But, you know, Andy has been kind to him today, just saying, you know, I think he feels pretty lonely right now and it's tough. And he made a mistake and, you know, he'll learn from it. And, you know, the kid's 20 years old. It's, it's, I do think that, like, I mean, I'm not going to waste any more breath on Karyos, honestly, because, like, we spent no. a lot of time on this. But I just think that I, Ben's heard my theory on this before. I just think it's, like, super ridiculous sometimes when, like, sports fans or even just, like, people, fans, like celebrity fans or whatever, expect people to arrive fully formed at whatever age they uh, quote-unquote arrive. So, like, that Nick Kyrgios arrives at 19 and that he's, like, this perfect gentleman following the exact same footsteps as Roger Federer. It's like, no, he's a 19, 20-year-old kid. Same thing in, like, you know, celebrities and all these people, like, you know, these, uh, you know, troubled teens and all that. Like, oh, like, you know, Angelina Jolie was kind of an ass when she was a kid. She turned out all right. Like, she's kind of a humanitarian now. Like, let's just give people time to kind of figure out their stuff. I totally agree with all that. And I think that, I think Kyrgios absolutely 100%, 1,000% deserves a second chance. Like I asked on Twitter, does, does he deserve a second chance? Like who doesn't in this world? I do hope that said that Kyrgios learns from this. Well, t- time will tell if he has or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm that's, not convinced that's, that's, that he has. That's the thing that, that the sort of worries that he's been me. Saying. Yeah, I'm not convinced that he has learned from it. This is but... a learning experience. What happened to him? And yeah. if he chooses not to take the learning route, then you can blame him for that later. But him actually making the mistake. Judging for how he recovers from it, not continually for piling on that one thing. Right. Uh, Murray, I think I think Murray will get through that. He's actually beaten Kyrgios. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of a dud. I think it almost yeah. certainly going to be a night match Tuesday night, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, Murray Kyrgios should be good. Uh, well, Kyrgios will, will love the stage. I don't see Kyrgios tanking or flopping on an Arthur Ashe night session. I think that will bring out the best of him in a way. I think at the same time, it's against, it's, it's against Murray, a guy who's been good to him kind I mean I think there's a lot of mental things going on there and I think that I've said this before in the past couple of episodes when we talked about Kyrgios the guy is incredibly sensitive oh he yeah comes off as like this prickly porcupine he's just insecure. like don't give a fuck kind of guy but he cares very much what people think about him and Andy Murray's been very kind to him and I could see that playing into his brain a little bit just as it has in their last meetings when every time that he's played Andy Murray he hasn't played like the way that he played, like, with that edge yeah. that he brings against a Rafa, you yeah. know, or even against a Roger. Like, it, yeah. it's been a little bit different. They've been mates, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, that that does influence his performance a little bit. So uh, I do expect Murray to get through. On the off chance Kyrgios gets through, there's a possible semi quarterfinal against San Marinko, which would be <laughs> Hilaire. Hilaire. Uh, other names in this, I think this is pretty much going to come down to Murray and Vavrinka. Uh, there are a couple dangerous-ish floaters. Anderson just won Winston-Salem. He's going to be the fourth-round opponent for Murray, but he hasn't pulled off one of those kind of wins in a slam really ever. He's come close, but has still hasn't made a slam quarterfinal, which is pretty remarkable for how steady a guy he is. He's been in that sort of top 16, 20 range for a while now. He's in, he's in line. He's, like, right on the outside of uh, of being close to <laughs> – I know, that was, like, so many caveats. Where is but, he? Uh, yeah, of uh, London. 
He's like right Anderson. outside the top ten in the race. Oh, so is Isner. His, yeah. Yeah. And with like you know some of the injuries and possibly like you know you never know. Like if Ferrer shuts it down for the year, the London race could get really interesting. Yeah, exactly. So watch out for that. Uh, other names in this section: Golbis got a pretty nice draw. Plays Bedenay. Not that it matters. Not that it matters. Uh, Jack Sock is in here. It'll be a high-profile U.S. Open for him. Tiafo got a rough draw against Troitsky. Uh, yeah, this is, overall, it seems to be a quiet section outside of Murray Curios, and then we'll see what Stan does. I think Stan will be back on track, but, St- but Stan Sock could be not a bad match, potentially. Forehand against backhand. Fun no, times. For sure. Fun times. And the last quarter, the Federer quarter, overall, I wouldn't say harder soft for Federer. I mean, Federer, in his, going from the bottom, he has Cole Schreiber as his first, well, it starts with Leonardo Meyer, then Bidetis or Darcy, then Cole Schreiber or Zverev, I guess that's an all-German first round, which the German reporters are annoyed about because it's like the two players <laughs> who really had a shot to make anything past round two here were them, and they're going to play each other. Uh, Cole Zverev playing qualifying for probably the last time ever, uh, at least short term. Isner and Karlovich will be a fun match. Isner avoids Cole Schreiber. It would be a fun match? Is that what you just said? I, Isner Karlovich, you said, would be a fun match, best of five? Yeah. You're fucking insane. I mean, fun isn't just, like, no. hate-watching. No, that's not fun. That's okay. different. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, and Gasquet, the, the young kids generally got kind of screwed with these draws. Rublev got a tough draw, which we didn't mention earlier, but he did. Kyrgios, Chorich, uh, Kalkanakis gets Gasquet, who he lost to in Cincinnati just in his last tournament, so that's tough. Um, overall, yeah, I think if Kalkanakis beats Gasquet, then he could get a very interesting third run against Tomic. Uh, and Leighton Hewitt's in that section, too. Oh, I didn't notice that. Tomic Hewitt, possibly, second round. That could be fun. Uh, Burdish's little area is pretty boring. Overall, all this to say, I see Fed rolling. Yes. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I, like, was in the middle of a yawn while that was talking. Um, it's a dull section, otherwise. It's pretty dull. I mean, and especially, I mean, the way that Roger's playing. Yeah, I just... I just don't see any of these players because the thing, like, when you look at Roger, too, and you look at his chances, you want to see matches where he's getting through really quickly. Like, you don't want to see him having to go up against, like, too many grinders and that sort of thing. And, and yeah, obviously there's Meyer and, you know, I think, I mean, obviously Baghdadis and Darcy are on the other side of their uh, their careers and are not the same players. But yeah. Cole Schreiber, maybe a little bit. But then after that, I mean, if he plays one of the big servers, it's not going to be a ton of energy, mental energy, but not physical energy that he has to expand. And Col- um, Cole Schreiber nearly beat him in Hala this year. So, I mean, Cole Schreiber could, Cole Schreiber's Cole Schreiber. could very easily take a set. I don't think he'll take Best three. Best of five, can't no do way. it. No way. Can't do it. So, overall, do you want to make men's picks or you don't, is that you're not your job either? I don't really want to make men's picks, but you can. Okay. I can say who I think. I mean, I'm not going to pick who's going to win. I mean, I do think that, like, for me, if I had to handicap it, I am probably going to go... Oh, this feels so weird. No, that's not true. I'm going to pick Novak because I'm going to go on on a big limb. But I think that this is pretty much between Novak, Roger, and Andy. Oh, it's a complete three-horse race. It's not. I'm not going out on a limb there. Um, And if I had to I'll give you big odds for the field against those three. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, if I had to order them in terms of, like, favorites, I'd have to say, like, you know, yeah, it's 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 one two three. That that Murray's on the outside, not because I think that he's playing poorly or anything. I think he's great, but he's going to have to go through Vavrinka potentially. If Vavrinka drops out, then I think that he has a great draw through and actually would be you know fresh and ready to go against Fed in a semi. But that whole Murray Federer like, 
I don't know. That that matchup just really has flummoxed uh, the Brit yeah. uh, a bit, you know. So I don't know. I don't know about that one. I, I feel like head-to-head those two, I think that Roger comes out on top. If it had flipped and if it was Murray Djokovic in a semi, I might pick differently. Okay. Interestingly. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll depend on a little bit on how fast the court is playing. As I look at this court on Arthur Ashe Stadium, I just want to go rub my hands again to see how gritty it is. Uh, I will pick Roger Federer. I think, even though he peaked way too early in Cincinnati, because that was peak. That was ridiculous. Who knows if he's going to run out of gas again. I hope he tries that thing against Isner. I know. Or Karlovic, either (laughs) one. Or Murray, just again. Or Djokovic, again. Anybody. Do it all the time. Do it every point against Leonardo (laughs) Meyer. Every point. Um, Yeah, I think think it'll be really cool. And if if it plays fast, I think Federer takes this possibly easily. If not, Djokovic obviously can get him. But I hope for a Djokovic-Federer final which is boring, I realize, but I don't see anybody else really making it that interesting. It's the most interesting final you can get, though. It's such Do a good matchup. I mean? It's of a big, big matchup. Of the big four, it's the best yeah, matchup. it's the best matchup. So that's the one that, you know, and it would have, it would be the final that could, you know, I mean, it would just be an electric final weekend. If, if Serena makes it to the final for the women and then you had that, that would be pretty, that would be an amazing tournament. It would be one of those tournaments we talk about for a really long time, especially if Roger were to win. Especially. Well, I mean, if both. So, um, I say that yeah, no, assuming that a Serena would win. And so if Serena and Roger won, that'd be nutso. If Serena does happen to go out early-ish, Roger would be the one who would be left with carrying the yeah. tournament. It would become it would become the Roger show. Yeah. It would, yeah, Serena going out would take a lot of air out of things. Totally. I mean, the whole, like, the women's finals already sold out. Way before I mean, the men's. Yeah, that's pretty nutso. Um, it's a big building. We're in it. It's a damn a big building. It's a damn big building. It's pretty cool, I gotta say. This is this is good job, USTA. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. I think they're pretty great. So at the stadium, not everything else about them necessarily, but doing their best with the architecture at least. And we thank you guys for doing your best by listening to us. If you want to follow along with us when you're not listening, you can do so by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. At NCR underscore tennis. You can subscribe to us on your podcast app or iTunes, whatever you use for podcasting. We're there and we can get you your new episodes automatically when they drop. Uh, if you have a question for an upcoming episode, you can send it to no challenges remaining at gmail.com via email and rattle on to your heart's content and we'll be happy to read it. Uh, do you want to rant rave, Courtney? You have things do. on your chest. What are you feeling at this moment? This is going to sound really weird to people, because if you've ever seen me, I don't know, you, you, would, you would think this is weird for me to, to rave about, but I really love Saks Fifth Avenue, and, <laughs> <laughs> okay. and it may not look like I do based on how I dress all the time, but a lot of that's based off the fact that like I don't really get to shop at Saks Fifth Avenue all that often. I gotta uh, say, before, before I let you finish, your label awareness always surprises me, because <laughs> like you, we were sitting across the... the restaurant from this really annoying looking girl uh, when we were eating ramen which was delicious and you made some crack about her wearing like knockoff Ann Taylor and I'm like where do you even come up with that? How do you know? I would never know what knockoff, obviously I'm not in the women's clothing department very often in life but uh, yeah I would not know so according to what knows her stuff and knows how to burn. Yeah. I know that church from Forever 21 you're not fooling anybody. (laughs) That's right. Um, But yes no but I love Saks Fifth Avenue and as some of you may know one of my favorite pairs of jeans ripped a few weeks ago, and it's made me really sad. How would anyone know that? Because I tweeted about it, and it became okay. this, it came this thing that we were all talking about. So, um, so I've there were these pair of black AG jeans that I've had for years, and they were perfect, just perfect. You guys know what a perfect pair of jeans is like. It's like 
like manna from it's like a gift from the gods that you have found a perfect pair of jeans so I've been in search of like trying to find new jeans so I went to Saks Fifth Avenue yesterday and I'd gone to Bloomingdale's before and like a bunch of other department stores so I go to Saks yesterday going very lovely uh, woman was helping me and we were trying to find stuff and it wasn't really we weren't finding anything finally my fashion spirit animal that I was kind of ignoring because I just didn't want to even like I was kind of like no they wouldn't but I went over to the rag and bone section and I got this pair, I picked up this pair of jeans and I was like, oh my God. And I tried them on and they were one size too big. And so I asked like the lady, I was like, I'm, do you happen to have like my size? She's like, you know, the computer says that there's two of them. I'm going to go try and find them. I was like, okay. She disappeared for like 30 minutes <laughs> and she came back and she had a pair that she had taken off of the, um, the display. Oh, awesome. And I was like, that's customer service. That was lovely because when I went to Bloomies, I didn't get that customer service, um, and they were like weirdly rude and kind of like very like whatever. But Saks is always in all of my life, always having been shopping there, um, myself and my sister, we've always been treated really great. And um, now I have a pair of like blackish jeans that I love and can't wait to wear. It's so excited. Here you go. Yeah. Courtney likes pants. I like pants. Um, do I have anything that matches your love of pants? I don't think I do have anything that brings me such happiness in my life, which. Kind of makes me sad. Um, I will... Shop at Saks Fifth Avenue more. I, yeah, I'm not, just not that classy. Um, I will... Uh, I will do a very quick rave for buses. I feel like buses have a bad reputation in this world. I mean, like, especially like intercity buses, like Greyhound, Bolt, Megabus. But coming up the east coast of the U.S., like, obviously Amtrak is sort of was the the Xella and everything is sort of synonymous with making that journey from D.C. to New York and up to Boston if you want to go that much further um, and Philadelphia in between. Uh, but the buses are, like, literally, like, a sixth of the price. And they take maybe, like, an hour and a half slower, so, like, two and a half hours versus four. You get Wi-Fi on the bus now. It's pretty swell. It stops it's- at Burger King. I like the Bolt bus. <laughs> mine, didn't, mine didn't stop. Um, I only stopped at, when we crossed the Delaware Memorial Bridge at the Jersey Turnpike, like, really early on. The bus driver pulled over, and I was like, oh, crap, we have mechanical, like, problems. It happened once before on a Bolt bus for me. We, like, blew a tire or something. But he was like, he started going, human nature, human nature. <laughs> and the driver gets up and makes his way. He's a kind of a big guy. He's kind of waddling to the back, just saying human nature, human nature, to the back bathroom. And then he does his business right there, gets back on the while back to the front and we're on our way have you you ever seen next friday doesn't happen on a train have you seen next friday no no i haven't there's a scene where like the dad yeah he has a bad burrito and he's stuck in la traffic and just it's a it's it was reminding me of that it was just the things that he was yelling were somewhat similar i was just not sure what he was talking about at first because i don't that's not a phrase that i use for that but you do you man and i'm glad you made it there on time and thank you for pulling over because no one needed that and uh, with that, I guess we'll leave you guys here at the Open. Uh, we will talk to you mid-tournament at some point. We'll try our best. And enjoy the tennis. It should be fun. It should be fun. Enjoy it. And just remember, we're watching history. Just remember that. Yes. Yes, we are, Diachenko. Yeah. Yes, we are. Bye, guys. Bye. New York, I love you, but you're freaking me out. New York, I love you. But you're bringing me down New York, I love you But you're bringing me down Like a death of the heart Jesus, where do I start?
But you're still the one pool where I'd happily drown. 